Did you know, Adam, that there are scammers out there who could 100% get over on us? I have no doubt there are scammers out there that have already gotten over on us. <laughs> yes, and their name is all Travis. That's it. <laughs> I don't know, man. You scammed me into putting up with you all these years. Oh, please. We both scammed Adam all these years. I'll second that emotion. And with that, welcome to What the Hack, a true cybercrime podcast. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. Marjorie, welcome. Where are you coming to us from? I'm in Chevy Chase, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C. And what do you do there? Are you, do, you, do you work or are you retired? I practiced law with the federal government for 42 years, and I retired in January of 2018. So I am now formally retired. Now, c c congratulations. Well, thank you. You made it. And I can add that retirement is a privilege beyond expectation. So so you're enjoying it so far? Absolutely. I, I'm wondering what kind of law did you practice when you were when you were working for the government? I was a mile wide and an inch deep. So I did a little bit of everything. I did employment law, I did equal employment opportunity, which is discrimination. I did conflicts of interest, which is financial interests of people who have to file. Uh, financial disclosure form, I, uh, procurement, a lot of procurement, some real estate. So it was all around. Was there one specific department that you were in or did you kind of move through the government? No. Uh, well, I was always associated with the office of the general counsel in the agency that I worked at. Yes. And it was through the general counsel's office that I moved around throughout the general counsel's office. So Marjorie, looking at your resume, it seems like you'd be a pretty tough person to target. I certainly have the education and the experience to have avoided a scam as I was caught in. It does strike me that, you know, a lawyer, the lawyers I know, and now you're one of them, are very detailed people. It's why usually I can't stand their writing, because they have to include everything in every sentence. And we read slowly, too. Well, the lawyer mind is super detailed, and it fires on all kinds of cylinders all the time. I'm curious, how did the scammer initially contact you? So I was doing online research for... Uh, a Democratic group that was looking at school board races throughout the country. I was late. I, um, I had procrastinated, as is not unusual, and I was late. So I was anxious to get to the work I needed to do, get it done, and get it in. And all of a sudden, my screen was seized. A lot of blinking lights, a lot of color, and it said, your computer has been seized by hackers and there's no way you can get around it. Call this number for assistance. And I didn't have time for this nonsense. So I took my monitor and I closed it in the vain effort that this would go away. I should have rebooted. So that's what happened. I called the number um, and I got connected 
with a supposedly a Microsoft engineer and I explained what had happened and I said, can you just clear my monitor so I can get back to work? And he said, well, let's see. And he goes off and he pretends to be looking at something in the background and he comes back and he says, yes, you've been cheated. These are people from China and from Russia. And then he came in for the kill. So Marjorie, at this moment, what are you feeling? I've never been kidnapped, but I would expect that the feeling would be much the same. It was as though I had a bag put over my head and I was captured. I didn't realize it, of course. In retrospect, though, that's exactly what happened, is that I was completely captive and they had me in the palm of their hands. Immediately, despite all my education experience, alarm systems, mother's advice, I was caught. Where were you? Were you online? Were you, were you surfing the web? First of all, I was physically located in um, a house I have in the Poconos. So I'm in, um, you know, pristine conditions. I'm in this vacation home. I'm on the computer and I'm surfing the web for information about school boards in Kansas. And so do you know what site you were on when all the bells and lights whistles went off? I was using Google. I can tell you that. And more than that, I don't know. I don't recall. That happens to a lot of us. We're online. We're doing whatever we're doing. We're using the search engine we usually use. And then all of a sudden, bang, we have no idea where we are. It's almost like the bonfire of the vanities where you take the wrong exit and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Oh, yeah. So you're talking with a guy. Your computer is seized. There's a screen blocking everything on your computer. It says, call this number. And you did. The person on the other line claims to be a Microsoft engineer. What did he sound like? Was he being reassuring or is he trying to drive you into a panic? Did he sound like he was in the U.S.? I thought he was in the United States. He did not have an accent and he was fairly cool. Um, You know, he wasn't using explosive language in any way, but he just came back and he said, yes, you've been hacked. He said, what about your bank accounts? And I said, what about my bank accounts? They said, well, if they've seized your computer, have they taken information off your computer about your bank accounts? Are your bank accounts safe? We think that your financial accounts might be in jeopardy. And he was doing it sort of by way of a service. I do this every day, ma'am, and you don't. In my experience, they may have accessed your bank account. Right. Okay. Right. And it's he's smooth. It was his job. Very yeah. smooth. So, so we are in con man territory. I mean, this is a thing that strikes me, Marjorie, with all of these kinds of scams. They are the modern day equivalent of the three card Monty guy or, you know, do you want to buy the Brooklyn Bridge guy? They're, they're smooth operators. Marjorie, did he ask you if your bank account might be in jeopardy, or did he say, we think your bank account is in jeopardy? He asked me whether I knew whether my bank account was safe. 
Okay, I get it. So what did you say when he asked you that? I said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, I can help you if you want. And I said, what can you do? And he said, if you want to give me the name of your bank, I can connect you to the bank's fraud inspector. And he can help you ascertain whether or not your bank account is safe. I'm right there with you at this point, Marjorie. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And now you're on hold while he's doing that? Yes, I'm on hold. And he has put me on a special line that's secure because I'm calling him on my cell phone, you know, my iPhone. And he's telling me that I'm going to connect you through a special line because your phone may be hacked as well. Okay, so he's enveloped you in paranoia. You have been taken hostage. I have, absolutely. And it's all psychological. He got in there. Didn't take 60 seconds. Wow. wow. And I felt like a, a house of cards. Uh, well, no, no, no. I don't like what you just said. You didn't fall like a house of cards. You walked into the next moment the way any of us would. And that's the truth. he lured you into a trap. So now he's got you on a secure line waiting to talk to your bank, correct? Quote, unquote, secure. Yeah, yeah, because the whole thing's a scam. Right. Yes, I'm calling him. He's calling the bank fraud investigator on his line. And are you hearing a ring tone when he's doing that? Or any music in the background? Anything that would make you feel like it was institution to institution? No. No. So, so what do you hear? You, are you just waiting in dead silence? As I recall, yes. And then someone picks up the phone and identifies himself as the fraud investigator for my bank. Okay, and obviously they now have the name of your bank, so that's an easy one. Because that's how he could connect me with this bank fraud manager, because I gave him the name of my bank. Did he give you his name or any credentials, or did he just say he was the fraud investigator? He gave me his name, Sam Billings. Sam Billings. You were in the Billings department. (laughs) So (laughs) she was with some professionals who had a script, and all they were doing was plugging in the bank name. They had their names they used, and they were, you know, you could have been, he could have been right, Sam Billings, quote unquote, could have been right next to the dude you called from, quote unquote, Microsoft, and... You know, winking and saying, okay, you got it. What does he say? Um, Give me your name and let me check on your account. Okay. And did he ask for your account number? No. Okay, great. So, So what happened when he did check your accounts? He came back and he said, there have been an incredible number of expenses against your account. Um, from overseas, from China or Russia. And he outlined a a couple of things that were just absurd. I mean, so absurd that they were served too absurd not to believe. You know, pornography, uh, expensive ski clothes, um, liquor. I mean, sure, if you're going to steal my account, Go for it. The bank would know that you're not a regular consumer of pornography and um, liquor in China. And he said to me, 
you know, the bank notified you about this. Oh, interesting. And I said, no, they didn't. I haven't gotten an email from the bank. And he said, oh, yes. And we got a response that said these expenditures were authorized. I said, well, that's impossible because it never happened. Okay, so they're gaslighting you at this point. This is like that scene in the movie when they're like, and there's someone in the attic and they're after the family jewels, literally. Yeah. Adam, if I had a bank calling me, the likelihood that someone could say to me, we reached out to you, especially if they said via email about this issue, you've been informed, I would have to believe they were right because I never look at my email. I have something like 10,000 unanswered emails. So, Or, Or you would believe someone has stolen your identity and they've gotten into your email account. I would think it was real. If I were in your shoes, I'd be in your shoes. I asked him how it could be that the bank would send me an email that I never received. He said, they've spoofed your account. Aha. Mm -hmm. Yep. Travis, did you scam Marjorie? No comment. (laughs) No, he did not. He did not. So, but this is like the level of someone who knows what's, they really were good. They know what they're doing, these guys. You're totally reacting the way any human being, regardless of experience, education, worldliness, you're right on path with what people would do. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. So, Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it. I like it. And they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. So what happened next? 
uh, we talked about my bank accounts. I had a checking account and I had a savings account. And he said, essentially, if you want me to help you, you have to follow my directions. So I said, okay, what is it that you think I should do? What advice he would give me? And he said, my assets were in jeopardy. So the best course of action is to, because we don't know, although he strongly suspects that these scammers have my name, my address, my birth date, and my social security number. So they have the four or five most important identifying information about me. Plus, they have your account information. At least that's what he's telling you because they're doing these. They have access to my account information and have made unauthorized expenses on my account. Therefore, the logical thing to do is transfer your money into a safe place and figure out who is scamming you and what to do about your social security number. I'm hearing sort of the fact sheet behind a LifeLock commercial. In other words, we're like, we have, we know that people are afraid of this, 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 and this. And they know their social security numbers out there. They know they're findable. They know identity theft is on the rise. And we're just going to write a script that takes those things into account and scare the bejesus out of somebody. It sounds like what's going on here. Well, yeah, if you're a federal employee, your social security number was leaked in the OPM hack, which I believe was in 2016. Actually, it was 2015. Ah, how time flies. Okay, Captain Justice. <laughs> <laughs> you did actually probably get some mail about yeah. that. Not to mention the fact that if you were alive the past few years, which you are, with the Equifax hack, your information is out there. Social security number, name, address, phone, cell phone contact information email address. What did he suggest you do? I'm curious here. Well, what he suggested was very reasonable. I should move my assets from my bank into cryptocurrency, which was safe and secure. And as soon as this mess, if you will, was cleaned up, we'll move the, the assets back from crypto into your bank, however you wanted to allocate them. That's a very complicated process to change your assets into crypto. I'm curious, had you ever had any experience with cryptocurrency previous to this? I have a son who works in cryptocurrency. It wasn't as though it was a strike out of the blue. And you knew how it worked. You knew that it was secure. You knew it was traceable. Well, I knew it was secure. I had some confidence in the medium it, it it wasn't unknown to me. I had had, I should say, a number of lectures about cryptocurrency. And so it didn't scare me to say, okay, let's transfer assets into crypto. And have you invested in cryptocurrency before? Or? No, I had not. Although I had just had a conversation with my son who is involved in crypto. He said, you know, it can be very dangerous. But if you have some money that you can afford to lose, I'd be willing to help you invest in crypto if you're interested. So we had had that conversation. How did you transfer the money? He said to me, we'll work to transfer your assets into crypto. At the same time, Microsoft will work on your computer to clean it up of the viruses. I asked him how he thought I should proceed. He said, 
go into your local bank and draw a wire transfer and I will email you wire transfer instructions and you can transfer this money. I will set up uh, an account for you at Coinbase and we'll transfer your assets into Coinbase. I go to the bank because I'm in my little house in the Poconos. The nearby bank is in a little town called Hawley, Pennsylvania. I go to Hawley and I execute a wire. I sit down across the table from this bank manager and I'm transferring $26,000 from my savings account to this bank in New York called Signature Bank. Signature is going to transfer it to um, another bank in Las Vegas and Las Vegas is going to transfer it to Coinbase. But all that you can see on the instructions are that going from me to Signature Bank in New York. Which is a very well-known bank, which unfortunately collapsed. The woman looked at me and said, oh, what are you going to do with the money? And I said, I'm going to put it in cryptocurrency. And she said, you know, a lot of people are doing that. I said, okay. And so she executed the wire transfer exactly as I asked her to. And the interesting thing is, if I can put a little color around this, is Holly is a very impoverished little town. If you look at its median income, it's about $32,000 a year. And, and this woman didn't know me. She had never seen me. She knew that I was a bank customer, but she had no experience with me whatsoever. And here I am transferring $26,000 in a town where most people don't see $26,000 in cash in a year and doesn't say anything except, how are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with some money? Oh, crypto. A lot of people use crypto these days. That's a very curious statement on her part. Not only that, but one more thing is the bank closed shortly thereafter for lack of business. So, it isn't as though this was a busy little bank and I was just one of many customers queued up at the door. They had no business. They had no banking business. And yet I didn't attract any more attention. So are you feeling at this point that it just doesn't feel right? That, you know, where are the safeguards? This is a bank. No, not at this point. I was just happy that um, the transfer was executed as I asked, and um, I didn't get any pushback from her. The scammers had, had told me, of course, two things before this transaction. Number one is I can't talk to anybody about what I'm doing because I don't know who's... You can trust. Right? That's right. Who has perpetrated the virus that's infected my computer and who has made these withdrawals on my account. And anybody that you talk to could be a suspect. So don't talk to anybody. And when you go to the bank and you make this transfer, if they question you, just say you're putting it into crypto and push back on any other inquiries they might make. Did they direct you to this specific bank? No, 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 no. They just rehearsed me, though. When you go into the bank, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? What will you say if they say... 
And um, how will you deal with this situation? So, I, you know, listen, I'm an attorney, right? I can put one foot in front of the other. You don't have to tell me how to make a wire transfer. Right. So that part was easy. And I did it absolutely without a second thought. After you made the transfer, did you call him back? Did you, did you know who to call? Oh, yes. He wasn't letting me far out of his reach. Call me as soon as you make the transfer, and I will let you know as soon as it's received at Signature Bank, and I'll send you the, the password for the account at Coinbase. I mean, he, he had me on a pretty tight leash. Right. Yeah, nothing was being left to chance. Signature Bank, when it was in existence, actually did get into trouble with the SEC for facilitating money laundering, um, specifically through crypto. So they definitely had a reputation of that kind of practice. I actually, at the time, had never heard of Signature Bank. I have since learned that, uh, yeah, that it was closed down for good reason. So what happened when you wired the 26000 What happened next? While that was going on, at some point, he transferred me back to Microsoft because I have a very infected computer. And we got to clean up the computer. So I've been told I can't use my computer until it's clean. What he did is he remoted into my computer. And he put, you know, one of those windows so he could on, see your stuff. So um, he would call and he would say, what is the code that comes up on the app, if you will? And, and then that allowed him into my computer and he could see my computer. And um, that went on from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day for a month. What was happening for that month? Like, what was going on? I'm working on your computer, Marge. This is very complicated. And leave your phone open for the entire time in case I need to get back to you. And he would call me like every two hours. So my phone was open and my computer was open. And he was just going anywhere he wanted in your computer, so far as you know. Uh, that's right. It's so far as I know. And to tell you the truth, um, Bo, I don't think he went anywhere. I think it, he just had me on a string. You know, so that he could keep you keep you from doing an investigation or figure anything out, correct? That's okay. right. Or using my computer. It gave the whole aura of this virus and being attacked and, you know, this serious situation that he had to resolve. Before that happens, though, I was convinced to liquidate my stock portfolio and my annuity. The 26000 was just the beginning it was just the opening bid. Tip of the iceberg. Yes. I lost another 650000 before it was over. When did you realize that you had been defrauded? So all my assets have been transferred. My computer is declared clean. I'm supposed to get back to this Sam Billings 
to to have talk to him about transferring my assets back from crypto into my various accounts. He was supposed to call me. It was the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, 2021, and he didn't call. So I called him, and the line had been disconnected, and I was so the cap came off my head and and I called the bank to see if they had an employee by the name of Samuel Billings and of course they did not it was immediately clear to me that I had been scammed and so what did you do at that point did you let other people know or I called the bank immediately and I told them the whole story and they asked me to go to the local bank and and make a statement to the bank manager which I did do and um and the bank manager took down the whole story and then she looked at me and she leaned over her desk and she said if you think this bank is going to pay you for your losses you're dead wrong whoa now there's bedside manner and you know, I, I kind of had been in the the zone where somebody does unauthorized purchases on your credit card. And because they're unauthorized, the bank makes good on them. And suddenly when she said that, I realized nobody's going to pay me for these losses. I've lost this. And um, I became rather um, upset, very upset. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rope's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. All of this has gone down now. You realize that you have been scammed out of over $660,000 worth of money. And what happened next? Did you then reach out to your family? Did you call a lawyer? I mean, I know you are a lawyer, but did you call another lawyer? What happened? I reached out to family and we all work through our own emotional response to this. My son who was in crypto had a friend in London who was a crypto investigator. So I was able to give him enough information about the funds that he was able to pass that on to his friend in London who offered to look out for 
transfer from Coinbase to any place else. I had a friend who um, son was with the FBI, and through that connection, I filed an FBI report. I filed a, a report also with the Maryland State Police, but I also got an FBI investigator assigned to the case, which I was very anxious to do because my son learned from this investigator in London that my crypto had been moved from Coinbase to Binance in the Cayman Islands, which is another crypto platform, I'm sure you know. So if I could get the FBI to move quickly, maybe they could stop the funds at Binance and recover something. But of course, nothing happens that fast. My son did try calling Binance to convince that these funds were illegal. They were fraudulent funds. But Binance wouldn't talk to him and said, if you want somebody to talk to us, have the FBI call us. Did you do that? I did. I, I tried to convince this agent that he needed to move fast. But, you know, I, I've worked in government. I know it has to go up the chain. It has to be approved. And by the time he could move on it, I'm sure the funds were long since gone. But equally important is Binance is outside the reach of the United States government. You know, it isn't subject to any service of process by the U.S. government. And so they would coordinate with the FBI only if they happened to fall out of bed on that day the right way. Otherwise, they just, you know, blow off the FBI. Yeah. So. Now, we're in the hole by well over $600,000. You now know that you've been the victim of, of a scam. You've been in touch with law enforcement. You are in that slow dance that is pretty unbearable when you're trying to get something like this settled and figured out. Where do things stand now? I finally found an attorney. Everybody, there seemed to be general agreement that I had a cause of action, but there was not general agreement that anybody wanted to take the case. And I, I finally found someone who wasn't scared of going up against one of the big banks. Um, a lot of attorneys make their money through bank work and didn't want to antagonize that relationship. So this fellow was a real warrior and said, let's do it. And at first he didn't think I had a cause of action, but he looked at it and he finally agreed with me. And so we filed a suit. We first went to the bank with a demand letter and they said, go pound sand. And so then we filed suit and uh, they filed a, a motion to dismiss which is, I'm sure you know, essentially a motion that says there's no cause of action here, judge. You should just dismiss the case. And after 10 months, the judge came back and said, nope, there's enough in the pleadings here to justify going forward. And at that point, the bank decided that they would talk to me. And so we sat down and started negotiating a resolution. And what does that look like? It settled, took a while. With the settlement, and we realize you can't give us the details of it, but with it, did you feel like you were fairly treated? Probably not. I realized that I had done as best as I could do, given my resources. I could have turned away from their negotiated settlement and continued the litigation, but there are no guarantees. Correct. And, um, and 
I had already lost a lot of money to get to this point in the negotiations had already cost me uh, $85,000 in attorney's fees. So I had to take a hard look in the mirror and decide, you know, you've done the best you can given the circumstances and, and pick up your marbles and go forward. And you mentioned that this process took 10 months total. Uh, during that time, were you in financial difficulty? No, no, thankfully. Thankfully, I have enough of a pension from the government and Social Security that I'm able to pay my mortgage and put meals on the table. And if you're listening and you're thinking, like, I couldn't do that, no, Marjorie was fortunate that she had the means to hire an attorney and, and, and navigate the situation. A lot of people wouldn't be able to. You know, at the end of the day, based on everything you've been through, and what you've experienced, what advice would you give our listeners, especially uh, senior citizens, as to how to avoid these kinds of scams? Lesson number one, it's the first thing the help desk always tells you to do. And it's really reboot your computer. And don't listen to anybody who tells you you can't talk to your family. Your family is your backstop. There's nobody in your family who is causing a virus on your computer or stealing from your bank account. Your family are your best friends and you should go directly to your family. And then my dear sweet mother always said, if in doubt, don't. <laughs> if in doubt, don't. That is going to be our anthem for this week. If in doubt, don't. Don't. Have you put any safeguards in place to prevent this type of thing from happening again in your life? There is a custom called a trusted contact that some institutions are putting into place where you identify somebody who they will contact in case there's something that comes up that gives them concern. And I have that on one investment that I've made. Going forward, another tool that I want to suggest to you is hang up. The next time somebody says they have something this important to deal with, hang up. If it's really that important, they're going to call you back. And, um, and if we and, call you, hang up. <laughs> if Adam calls you, hang up. Definitely for sure. hang but up. The, yeah. In the same situation, now I do this for a living, but I would say, that's cool. I'm going to call you right back. And then I would go on Google and I would go past the sponsored listings that come up first to the correct listing with the right URL. And then I would call and see what was going on. Um, another thing that I really cannot stress enough, there's, there's two more things. Adam's going to say the second thing without any prompting from me. The first one is you should set up transaction alerts on every single financial account you have. And I'll tell you how tight it should be. On my banking accounts and on my financial uh, relationship accounts, I am notified if one cent, one penny moves, I get a transaction alert for that. That's something that can really help you in this situation because then you'll know when they say somebody's been making charges in this and that and, and you know pornography or whatever, you can say, no, they haven't because um, I have transaction alerts. Is that through your bank? Usually you can set it up on either the app or the website for the bank. And you can do it for your credit card as well. You know, some people go, notify me if the transaction's over 100 go to one penny, one penny, because a lot of times there'll be these teeny little transactions that will escape notification if they're under 100. So that's point one. Point two, 
freeze your credit. Yes, I have done that. Now, but Adam's going to tell you a little story about freezing your credit. Oh, embarrassing me again. Well, no shame zone. No, tell the story. Once upon a time. No, I just recently in the past year froze my credit, which was a little embarrassing since I spent about four decades telling people to freeze their credit. It's one of those things where we keep thinking about, I have to do this, but we don't necessarily do it. But it's a good thing you did it. Did you freeze your credit after this incident or before the incident? I think my credit's been frozen for a long time. What, was it after the OPM breach that may have prompted you to do it? Maybe. Yeah, I can't remember. But And you know, yeah. Adam, the freezing of credit in this situation isn't going to solve the problem. These scammers had a great script. They had a very good understanding of consumer behavior. And they used all of it in order to do, you know, an urgency scam, basically. And it's no shock that it worked. And there's no shame in the fact that you suffered this intrusion on your life. I'm really glad to hear that you got through it. Yes, thank you. As we say, it, it is a shame that it happened, but there's no shame to you that it happened because you responded exactly like every human being we know would have responded. Yeah. And now it's time for a tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to keep you safe on and offline. All right. So after hearing Marjorie's story, I think we should discuss how to have the talk with uh, not just relatives, but everybody in our lives. Scaring is caring. Indeed. I mean, the reality right now is that anyone in your family or your social circle can be a target. Uh, young, old, rich, or just flat broke. Anyone you know can be in a scammer's crosshairs. Right. Cool. So what's the lightning round look like? Adam, you go. Never give away your information especially your payment information to someone claiming to be calling on behalf of your bank or your credit card issuer. Okay, I'm going to go with, do you know what open source intelligence is? Of course you don't. Maybe you do. All right, here's the deal. People look stuff up about you all the time. You might even do it yourself to other people, but scammers do it as well. So if you go online, do a little inventory of what's out there about you, know what it is, and shut down the stuff that you can Obviously, that means don't overpost on social media. One thing that applies to the scam that targeted Marjorie is that tech support doesn't and won't contact you. As someone who spent hours trying to get through to live tech support agents, I can assure you that they're busy enough with incoming requests. They're not going to actively seek out people having technical problems. But most importantly, take your time and, and understand when, when scammers contact you, they're usually trying to get you to panic. Now, in Marjorie's case, they were trying to do two things at the same time calm her down, but increase her sense of paranoia and fear. At the end of the day, you just got to go slow. And I think at every point in whatever it is that you're experiencing, think, is this right? Is this the way it should go? What happens if I hang up? And that's our tinfoil swan. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin. <laughs>